Hello, friends. Welcome to the ATC Double Cut. I am Micah Woods. In today's episode, I want to talk about a couple of things that are new and updated. And in particular, I'm going to talk about a post on the ATC website that is about growth potential. But first, I'm going to go to the paceturf.org website. Many of you will be familiar with Paceturf. Many of you are Paceturf subscribers. And for that, I thank you. And I am, as of last year, I am now the director of the Paceturf Information Service. And you can get all kinds of good information there. And one of the free resources that we have at the Paceturf website is a listing of turf diagnostic labs. I will put a direct link to this page, and you could find it if you go to the search bar on the right side of the Paceturf website. You can just type in diagnostic labs, and it will turn up a lot of um, links, and you can choose one uh, that ha- that gets you to this page. But again, I will put a direct link to this turf diagnostic labs page listing in the show notes and in the video description if you're watching this and you will be able to find this. And what this is, is a listing of turf diagnostic labs for nematodes or diseases, primarily in the U.S., although we do have a listing for the um, the turf disease center uh, in, in the U.K. with Dr. Kate Entwistle. And I, I think we may be missing a few international diagnostic labs. Maybe there's some in Australia. Maybe there is one with the NZSTI. And I would appreciate if you are watching this from somewhere in the world or listening to this from somewhere in the world, uh, if you would check out the... I mean, I mean if you're from somewhere in the world... Uh, that's not in the United States, or if you're, let's say you're from Michigan, (laughs) there used to be a diagnostic lab for diseases in Michigan with Michigan State University. I can't find any information about that. So I've taken that off because it wasn't live anymore. Um, So I would appreciate for anybody who's uh, aware of other laboratories that are missing, other diagnostic labs that are missing, please have a look at this page and let me know so we can keep it updated. Before I purchased PaceTurf, this was one of the pages, I was a PaceTurf subscriber, and this is one of the pages that I would often go to on the PaceTurf website, the Turf Diagnostic Labs, because it is common to find problems that you either don't know what it is, or you suspect that the... um, that it could be one of multiple pathogens and you would like to have that confirmed. And in fact, the text at the top of this page says, if you are in any doubt about the identity or cause of a turf problem, we highly recommend the use of a qualified turf diagnostician. Fortunately, there are several good labs around the U.S. who provide this service. So again, mostly these are United States-based labs. Maybe you know of one in Canada that's good that we should put on here. Just uh, let me know, and I will try to keep this updated. But this is something that is not only for PaceTurf subscribers. This is actually a public page on the PaceTurf website. So you can go to find any turf diagnostic lab on this list. Find one that has a diagnostician that you would like to work with, or find one 
um, find a lab that is near to you, or if you're from outside the U.S., let's say, let's say I'm in Thailand and I want to send a sample. Um, I happen to know that as of last year, Dr. Harmon's lab at the University of Florida, they could do international samples. So they could accept samples coming from overseas. But of course, you need permits and everything for, for that. But if you contact the lab in advance, there are some of these labs that can also handle samples from a country that is not the location of the lab. So that, that can be quite useful if you're in Dubai or if you're in Bangkok, for example, and you want to have something diagnosed, it's good to know that there's a resource and a lab where you can send some samples. I now go to the ATC website and we'll jump in to the post that I want to talk about today, which is fitting that I've just been talking about Pace Turf and now at the Asian Turfgrass website, um, and I will put a direct link to this post also, I am showing a post that's called Regarding GP and Adjustments. And the reason why it's appropriate that I just was looking at the Pace Turf website and now I jump to the ATC website is because this post is about GP. It's about the turfgrass growth potential, which was invented by and developed by Pace Turf. And it turns out that people from all over the world use growth potential. And I have slightly changed something in my use of growth potential. And I want to share that with you because, in fact, I had a couple discussions with people just in the past couple of weeks about this. Um, in fact, somebody contacted me from Scotland and was asking about GP and saying they were attempting to apply the growth ratio and they were using the spreadsheet that Jason Haynes has provided that has the growth ratio calculations in it. And to calculate the growth ratio, which is the actual growth that you have uh, in terms of clipping volume adjusted by the recent growth potential at your site. So it gives you a site-specific and seasonally specific predicted amount of growth. He was, this, this uh, turfgrass manager from Scotland contacted me and said he was looking to apply the growth ratio. He was putting his data into the spreadsheet and he said he was getting a growth potential number that was about half of what he was getting using a different spreadsheet that he had that was calculating growth potential. And I said, well, I, I think I know I think I know why that is. Before I even look at the spreadsheet, I'm going to guess what it is. I said, I guess that the optimum temperature is different. And it turned out that it was. Jason Haynes uses a sp his spreadsheet is using the standard optimum temperature, which is 20 degrees Celsius for cool season grass. And this other spreadsheet was using an optimum temperature of 18 degrees Celsius. And when you get temperatures that are quite low, like they are in the springtime in Scotland, then you're far away from the optimum and it is, it is uh, pretty easy to have a factor of two difference in the growth potential when the equation is modified. So in one case, we're dealing with a standard equation and in another way, we're use, or in another case, we're dealing with an equation. We're using an equation that's been adjusted to fit 
perhaps a growth curve that looks a little bit more like people would expect it to be in the UK. And I used to tell people that that was just fine. I used to say, look, GP is not reality. It's just an equation. So if you find that you can adjust it and you like to adjust it to fit it to a so that it generates a curve, a growth curve that matches how grass grows at your site a little bit better, go ahead. That's what I used to say. But over time, and I think I'm now talking about a 15-year time period or something, something like that, 10 to 15 years. At the start of that time period, 10 to 15 years ago, I would have said that. Go ahead. Adjust it just a little bit. Use the equation in a way that you can make it fit your site if you want to really get into it and modify it a little bit. And that usually involved modifying the optimum growth temperatures in places like Iceland, where the average temperature where the average temperature never reaches 20 degrees. You would never, I don't, I mean, maybe on the record high days, you could have something where the high temperature is is 24 and the low temperature is 16 and the average is 20, but I don't know that it does get that warm in Iceland. And it would certainly be absurdly warm uh, to have temperatures at that level. So when people look at that equation and say, you've got an equation that says the optimum growth temperature is 20, it doesn't make any sense for, for my location, they might say, if their optimum growth at their location happens at their maximum temperature, which might be 16 or 17 degrees. And in that case, 10 or 15 years ago, I would tell people, go ahead, use the equation, modify it, so that the curve matches your site and then you can be comfortable using it and you don't have to worry about these things that don't make sense, like the optimum temperature being set higher than it ever gets at your location. However, I don't make that recommendation anymore because of the story that I just told you. I mean, not only because of the story that I just told you, about the turfgrass manager from Scotland who contacted me and said he was getting two different outputs depending on which spreadsheet he was using. Um, it's, it's that story and more. Because it turns out the more is that over the past 10 or 15 years, I think I've found that more and more people around the world are using growth potential. And they use it as a tool and they use it for comparison for things that Pace Turf has developed and things that I have developed and then shared. And some of those things include the climate appraisal form. I, I wrote about this in the blog post. The blog post, again, we're, that we're talking about is uh, titled Regarding GP and Adjustments. And it is on the ATC website, and there's a direct link to it in the show notes. And I put a link there, and I said, uh, as more people around the world use the GP and use calculations that include the GP, and now I'm, I put in links to these in the post. I said, things or calculations that use the GP include the Pace Turf Sand Top Dressing Calculator. So there's people that are using GP at their site to predict 
how much sand would be a standard amount to apply as top dressing. People are using the growth ratio, and I put a link to that. The growth ratio is about how much you can expect the grass to grow at your site given the recent weather and given where you're located and how much you want the grass to grow. I also put a link here to the PACE climate appraisal form. The PACE climate appraisal form is something that a lot of people use to get some idea of how many nutrients may need to be applied and to get a growth curve for their site. And also one thing that I quite like and it is intuitive and that is using the GP as a proxy for season length. And then I, I made a chart about that and put that in the post. But let me go back to the start of this post and describe a little bit what was going on. I have been doing recently, I've been back in Thailand for a little over a week now, and I have been doing all kinds of writing and report preparation and data analysis and updating my um, OM246 report code, which there's a lot of code that's uh, written and then that the computer runs through to generate the report. So I updated that, made some really cool updates on that. And the, if you are one of ATC, if you are one of ATC's soil testing clients and you do OM246 testing with us, I think you will be thrilled when you see all of the information that you get on the report now. And it's not just useless information. It's, I think, quite actionable information. So I'm really excited about it. And I hope that our clients will be also. So anyway, I've been at home and I've, I've just been doing all kinds of work that requires a lot of time and a lot of mental effort. And I said, I really want to do a blog post, but everything I've been working on is so detailed. And to do a blog post that would do it justice, I would need to do a lot more calculations and a lot of explaining, and it's too complicated. And I, I was looking for some kind of simple blog post that I could just do and, and provide some new information. And then I thought, okay, I'll check my blogpost.org file because I have a file where I keep blog post ideas or when people make a request that I please uh, do a blog or explain something about a particular topic, I add it to this file. And so most of them, unfortunately, if they still remain in that file, most of those are ones that require a lot of work or a lot of time. And that's not what I was looking for on April 27th when I went to make this particular post. So I, I was scrolling through it and I had had this email conversation with the Turfgrass manager from Scotland. And then I saw that I had this note that I had jotted down back in February of 2022, I think. And the note read, and now I will quote what, what my note read. There are so many questions about number of good days and so on, and how to adjust for light and so on. And this is in reference to the growth potential. Then I see people want to try to fit the model to their own data. But there is a problem with that because a GP of one, for example, is not exactly how grass grows. 
It is instead a number, but it is a useful number. It's something that can be compared. It hits me, and this is something, again, I'm, I'm reading a note that I wrote back in February of 2022. It hits me as I'm writing up a golf course seminar article that doing this where everyone makes a custom calculation or adjustment then that means it can't be compared with anyone else. Now you have a number that is a little more meaningful for your site and not meaningful at all for comparison with other locations. End quote. So that was my note, and I thought, you know what? I can just, I can just share that, and I don't really have to add hardly anything else because that will make sense to people, especially because most of the people who read my blog or people who listen to this show are probably people who are familiar with the pace turf sand top dressing calculator or the growth ratio that I've been talking about or the pace turf climate appraisal form or how I like to sum the GP and use it as a proxy for season length. And you can see that if you're using any of those tools and you start modifying the equation to fit your site, you're doing something that is only applicable to your site, but you, you lose the benefit of being able to compare what others are doing. And I think so much of the value in the growth potential and in these types of equations and in things like clipping volume and, and many of the things that I work on and promote, it, I, I promote them because they are useful and I think they're especially useful if you can look and see what type of results are other people doing? What type of growing conditions are other people dealing with? And if you, if you can make these comparisons, then I think if you know what your numbers are and if you know what other people are doing and you know if they're getting good results or not, and then you can come back and you can make decisions about what to do at your site with more confidence when you've made these comparisons to what other people are doing. And so I guess it it's occurred to me over the last 10 to 15 years that growth potential turns out to be even more widely used than I thought or, or people, I mean, people 15 years ago didn't use it as much as they do now. That's how I would say it. And because so many people use it, and because we've added on these extra uses of it, like the top dressing calculator, and like the very fun to look at GP as a proxy for season length, because of these things, I recommend now just use the standard equation and and just look at it as a number. Don't worry about trying to match it exactly to your site. We've got clipping volume for that. If you want to know exactly how the grass grows at your site, you can just look at the clipping volume. Just measure how much the grass grows. And if you want to look at what's happening underground, you can measure OM246. You can measure the total organic material underground over time. And now you, you can see what's happening underground. With clipping volume, you can see what's happening above ground. And... And you can just use growth potential as a number. Keep in mind it's just a potential, 
And then reality becomes what's really happening with clipping volume or what's really happening with your organic matter production underground. I wrote in this post, let me have another drink of coffee. I, uh, I just went for a run in the heat of late April in Southern Thailand and uh, I'm very thirsty. So let me have uh, a little bit of coffee. I've had like four cups of four big glasses of water after that run. And I, I made myself a coffee to have while I'm recording this and I need to wet my mouth. Ah, that is much better. Okay. I, I continued writing in this, in this post. I said, sure, you can change the optimum temperature in the equation, or you can add your own adjustment for light. But once you start adjusting the equation, then you'll find your GP is unique. And suddenly it's not clear what you are comparing it to. I've written about the standard growth potential equations in this post, and I put a link to a post in which I wrote what the standard growth potential equations are, if you don't know that. So there's, there's more text in the post. I hope you will check it out and read it. But probably the reason why you might like to actually click to my website and look at this is because I made a chart that's kind of pretty. And that chart has the title, Annual Sum of Growth Potential, GP based on monthly average temperature using the standard GP equation. And there's something like 70 to 100 locations here. Not, not all of them got plotted due to overlap issues because there were so many places that I tried to put on one chart. And on the horizontal x-axis, I have the annual sum of good days for cool season turf. So this, again, is that summing of the growth potential. And if you've got growth potential expressed on a scale of 0 to 1, then a day with a growth potential of 0 means that doesn't count as a good day for growth. That's going to be something like January in Edmonton. January in Edmonton is not going to be a good day for growth. And so it will have a growth potential of zero. So it, it kind of doesn't count. <laughs> and then if you have a 20 degree day in, let's say, in February in Sydney, for example, well, that day is going to have a growth potential of one. And that is going to be an almost perfect day for cool season turf. And then on the y-axis, on the vertical axis, I put the annual sum of good days for warm season turf. So again, if we have a, a temperature of like five degrees in Tokyo, I'm using Celsius here. So I apologize to my American friends who, uh, who use Fahrenheit, but you can get the idea that if I'm talking about optimum temperatures, then I mean something about 70 degrees for cool season turf, something about 90 degrees for warm season turf. The, the actual exact optimum temperatures are set slightly different than that. I think it's 68 for cool season grass is the optimum and 87.5 Fahrenheit is, is set as the optimum for warm season turf. But it's easy to just talk in Fahrenheit. So you can imagine if the, sorry, it's easy for me to talk in Celsius and there are listeners to this show all over the world. So I have the luxury of talking in metric and knowing that uh, some of the audience uh, is is preferring that. So 
Thanks everybody who listens. Whether you whether you do prefer Fahrenheit or Celsius, I will try to make it clear for all of you. So if we have a year where the growth potential is perfect every single day, then if you sum that, it's going to be 365. So the maximum possible sum of GP that you could have is 365. So then you can start looking at things like if you only have 120 days, if you have like a sum of GP that's 120, that means about one third of the year would be perfect for growth. Now your your season will actually be longer than that because you have a lot of days where you have growth potential of 0.4, 0.4, 0.4. And that's what your spring and and autumn are often like. And anyway, it's possible to make the comparison between locations if we use the standard equation. So I've got on here the places with the lowest growth potential for cool season turf are in Iceland. It's Akureyri, Reykjavik, the Westman Islands. Then we go to places like Edmonton, Ulaanbaatar in Mongolia, uh, Copenhagen, Helsinki, Edinburgh, Stockholm, London, Victoria, British Columbia. Those places are all in the range of something like 20 up to 100. And then the places at the highest for annual sum of days for cool season turf include uh, Durban, South Africa, Las Palmas in the Canary Islands. Sydney, Australia, San Diego, Los Angeles, Faro, Malaga. Those are all places with something like 250 or more for cool season turf. Kunming is right around there too. Kunming is in China is, oh, oh, no, no, no. Kunming is something like 225. Auckland, New Zealand is right around 250. And if we look at Wellington in New Zealand, Wellington is considerably cooler. Um, Using these monthly data, Wellington looks like it comes in at about 180 or 190. And then Auckland, which is warmer, is right around 250. Now, as you start getting into better and better conditions, more and more days for cool season grass, you also start getting into situations where it's a transition zone and you can have both cool and warm season turf. And in a place like Auckland, you can, you, you'll have a lot of Bermuda grass growing also. Cynodon dactylin can grow quite well there. And you, so you have cool season grass or warm season grass. That's a transition zone type place. And a lot of those places like that I mentioned, Malaga, Faro, Sydney, San Diego, Los Angeles, Durban, Las Palmas, uh, they, they start moving into places that, that are dominated by warm season grasses, actually. And so that's kind of a cool chart. And if you're interested in these types of comparisons, then you can look at it and you can see how your location might compare to another location. But as I wrote in the caption, when using the standard GP equations, comparisons between locations can be made with assurance that the calculation of GP and derived values are done using the same method at each location. And you can only make these comparisons when you're using the same equation for each place. And that's why uh, I've 
perhaps this is a very long-winded way to say, I no longer recommend, or I no longer say go ahead in uh, making adjustments to the growth potential equation to fit your site. And I would rather just say, observe what really happens with clipping volume. But in terms of using the growth potential, I think it makes sense to just use the standard equation. So that is what I wanted to share with you today on the ATC double cut. And I will be back again soon with even more turfgrass information. I, uh, I've got another blog post that's already been up. If you want to make sure that you get every blog post at the, uh, if you want a notification every time I update the website, you can subscribe to the ATC uh, blog post newsletter. And you can find a link to that in the show notes and also on the ATC website. And you can get an email with the full text of every new blog post on the same day that it's published, if that appeals to you. You can also sign up to ATC newsletters where you just get the highlights every three or four months. I will send out an email that has the highlights of things I've been working on, conferences that I've participated in or am going to be speaking at, um, some of the new videos or new projects I've been working on. I will share the highlights of that. And you can, if, if you don't want to email every time I update the blog, then you can, I, I would hope that you would sign up to the ATC updates newsletter to just get the highlights. So I, um, I'm looking forward to just all of the things that I have a chance to share. And I feel so lucky that I can uh, kind of geek out on this turf grass stuff that I'm interested in and share it with people from around the world who it turns out are also interested in many of these same things. And I'm so glad that you, you can find this useful. I hope you'll find it useful. And I would be happy if you'll rate and review and share with your friends about this type of turf grass information because it turns out that we have people all over the world who are interested in this kind of stuff and getting some value out of this type of turf grass information. All right. Thanks so much for listening. I'll sign off now for ATC from Yantakau, Thailand. I am Michael Woods. <laughs>